Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, Alarmy. Before we get started, we wanted to make sure you heard the big news. The Alarmist has joined Patreon. Patreon subscribers will get access to our content ad-free, as well as our aftermath post-interview discussion and final verdict. We'll also be putting out additional bonus episodes and other fun stuff. Here's a preview of Guest Alarmist, where I step aside and let a guest walk us through a personal tragedy, and together the Alarmist crew figures out who's to blame. This month on Guest Alarmist, Georgia Mishak discusses the impeachment of President Georgia. This, this is about 20 years in the making. I have been looking for the answer to this thousands of dollars spent in therapy oh wow <laughs> but, but today who knew all i needed was was an, a podcast a podcast and a platform yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't, yeah don't start with therapy start, start, podcast. start with a podcast. podcast yes yes go to patreon.com slash the alarmist and subscribe today now on to our episode i was born with a special gift the ability to mentally transform any situation into the worst case scenario in my own brain. My therapist calls my gift catastrophizing. And that's why I'm uniquely qualified to scrutinize and analyze history's greatest disasters and find out who's to blame. They say history repeats itself, not on my watch. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith, and I am The Alarmist. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to The Alarmist, a comedy podcast where we talk about history's greatest tragedies and figure out who's to blame. 
Today we're discussing Halloween the movie. Here's what you need to know. The story of Halloween the movie starts on Halloween Day 1963 in a bucolic home in a town that could be anywhere in suburban America. Judith Myers, a typical teenager, is in the middle of an illicit rendezvous with her boyfriend. We watch as they go upstairs to do the deed. As we walk into the house through the back entrance, we see a hand retrieve a kitchen knife from a drawer. The teenage boy leaves, and the camera slowly takes us up the stairs toward Judith's voice. Suddenly, the knife in frame lifts up and kills Judith in cold blood. We have been looking through the eyes of the deranged Michael Myers, then just a boy. Fifteen years later, Dr. Sam Loomis is a worried psychiatrist going over plans to transfer Michael to a new sanatorium. When he arrives at Smith Grove, where Michael has been since the murder, he notices something is wrong. Several patients have gotten out of the building, though it is hard to decipher what has happened in the dark. He and a nurse proceed onward to the front gate. They suddenly realize Michael is one of the escaped patients. He attacks the nurse and makes off with a hospital station wagon. Michael sets off for his hometown of Haddonfield, Illinois. He makes a stop to murder a traveling plumber and take his coveralls, then breaks into a hardware store for a mask and knife. Then he fixes his sights on three female babysitters, Lori Strode and her friends, Annie and Linda. But Dr. Loomis is hot on his trail. He arrives in Haddonfield and discovers Judith's tombstone is missing and notifies the sheriff. Dr. Loomis is convinced that some bad stuff is about to go down and even calls Michael the personification of evil. Michael is a step ahead and seems to be toying with the women he's stalking. It's Halloween and after a few good scares, he focuses his attention on Annie, who is babysitting the young Lindsay Wallace. Annie is hell-bent on hooking up with her boyfriend that night, and while making popcorn, clumsily gets butter on her clothes and then gets herself stuck in the laundry room window. She's let out by Lindsay, who tells her she's got a call from her boyfriend, Paul, who is also horned up and wants to do the devil's dance. She convinces Lori, who's babysitting little Tommy Doyle across the street, to watch Lindsay while she goes to get her groove on. But in the car, before she can leave, she's brutally killed by Myers. Unsatisfied with just one murder, Michael shifts his focus to Linda, who has arrived at the house with her boyfriend Bob looking for Annie. When Annie is nowhere to be found, the couple goes upstairs to do the nasty since the Wallace home is empty. After they finish their round of hanky-panky, Bob goes downstairs to get some beers. But Michael has a different idea for how to spend the rest of the night. He chokes Bob and pins him to a wall with a knife through the gut. He then stalks upstairs with a sheet over his head, pretending to be Bob in a ghost costume, and stands in the doorway to the bedroom where Linda is waiting for Bob. Linda thinks Bob is playing a prank, but it's Michael. In a panic, Linda picks up the phone and calls the Doyle home. Lori picks up and hears screaming. Lori also thinks it's a prank, but after the screams, she hears heavy breathing and grows concerned. Worried about her friend, she leaves the children she's tasked with watching and goes over to the Wallace house. 
What she finds there is a gruesome scene, Judith's headstone and the bodies of Annie, Linda, and Bob. She screams and is attacked by Myers, but Michael must be exhausted from a long night of travel and murder because he misses Lori barely scratching her arm. She escapes by falling down the stairs and makes off for the Doyle house where the children are. Michael follows after her, but struggles to finish the job. At one point, she successfully fights him off with a clothes hanger. Just when he finally has his chance to kill Lori, he's shot point blank by Dr. Loomis, who's finally caught up to him. Michael is blown out of the window and falls from the second story to the lawn below. Dr. Loomis and Lori take their eyes off him for a brief exchange, agreeing to designate Michael the boogeyman. And when they look back down at him, he's gone. Fun Facts, aka Death Stats. Six people and one dog were killed during Michael Myers' Halloween rampage. It took John Carpenter and Deborah Hill less than two weeks to write the first draft of the film. Hill, who had worked as a babysitter during her teenage years, wrote most of the female characters' dialogue, while Carpenter drafted Loomis's speeches on the soullessness of Michael Myers. Carpenter was paid $10,000 for his work, which included writing, directing, and scoring the film. The film was made on a $300,000 budget. Halloween spawned a film franchise comprised of 13 films, which helped construct an extensive backstory for its antagonist, Michael Myers. Halloween was filmed in 20 days over a four-week period in May of 1978. Its working title was The Babysitter Murders. The film premiered October 25, 1978 in Kansas City, Missouri. It went on to gross $70 million, one of the most profitable independent films of all time. With us today, we have producer Clayton Early. Hello. Fact checker Chris Smith. Hi. And boy, do we have a, an incredible treat for you guys today. Our very special guests are loves of our lives, Amanda Lund and Matt Gorley. Hi, friends. Happy Halloween, Alarmist. <laughs> Hello, Alarmy. It's Yay. so good to be back, especially under these circumstances. <laughs> it's seriously, we're, we're so happy to have you on the show to talk about Halloween. But before we do that, we have some big news. We have uh, your new podcast, Keys to the Kingdom, which just came out, well, by the time this comes out, like a week ago on all platforms. That's right. And though it may sound like a podcast on how to enter heaven, mm. it's not. <laughs> In a way, us. though, it depends on how you define heaven. That's true. So some of the alarmy know, um, if you listened to our episode long, long ago, I think it was the, dis the disastrous opening of Disneyland. Yes. Mm -hmm. I, I disclosed one of my deepest, darkest secrets that I used to be a Disney princess. <laughs> Uh, but you might not know that actually my husband, Matt Gorley, um, also worked at Disneyland and we met at Universal Studios Hollywood, the entertainment capital of L.A. Wow. It's a true romance. It's Hollywood's yeah. 
sexiest romance actually. oh yeah it's just got <laughs> sex written all over and, but we decided at one point because we lived uh, as theme park workers for so long and now consider ourselves recovering theme park workers <laughs> um that there were so many interesting weird dishy gossipy sultry stories about working at theme parks and what it's like to work for a giant like disney or universal that we did this eight part docu-series interviewing people some of them you know on the record but on background with voice disguising or names. some of them brave enough to go full frontal with their own names and we talk about some of these stories we share some of our own stories but it's highly produced and uh, the first two episodes are out now oh my god that's so exciting i can't wait for all of our listeners to check it out and are you are are you looking forward to the legal action that's going to be? Happening? Yes. <laughs> have you lawyered up for Disney? <laughs> we have lawyered up. We have lawyered up. Um, but luckily, you know, if we do get sued, any publicity is good publicity. Sure. And you know, we have no money, so they're right. welcome. Uh, it's you know through the Erios network, and as you guys know, Erios has zero dollars, <laughs> and so. Um, and now Alarmist is independent, so they can't even take you from us. Yeah. Right. That's why we have you on the yeah. show, because we also don't have money. So we're not afraid if they come after us as well, because you're here. That's I right. I think that actually Alarmist leaving Erios was a strategic split. So as to like <laughs> kind of not get involved in the legal yeah. morass. Hey, by the way, Disney, if you're listening, you know, we've taken our steps. So just because right. you think you can sue us, we've, yeah. we've covered our bases. We basically right. put alarmist in a Swiss bank account. Exactly. Yeah. Come find yeah. us. So hands off. Yeah. <laughs> and nothing in this, this podcast isn't, you know, out there in other places for the most part or similar stories, or, you know, we have a legal disclaimer at the beginning that just because someone says it, it's not, it's not necessarily our opinion, Disney. Mm. Right. Knott's Berry Farm. Universal Studios. <laughs> the Michael not, Myers wow. of theme parks. I, I will fight nice. shoulder to shoulder with you guys up until the point where there it does it looks bad for us. I'll, yeah. I'll fight. <laughs> up until he gets a cease and desist from Disney. <laughs> That's really sweet, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> um we you know, it's Halloween season. Mm. And that means we are covering some of our favorite horror movies. But before we, we even jump in, we have to ask you the age-old question. What has been recently alarming you? What's keeping you up at night? I mean, I have one. Go. The pumpkin spice latte. Mm. I thought you were going to say oh. the state of geopolitics in the world, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to come out with it. I had one a couple of weeks ago. It's gross. Mm. Oh. Mm, wow. Oh. That's a controversial That's statement. That's a big See, now, controversial now, statement. Yeah, yeah. Now I feel like we're going to get in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now Starbucks is coming after us. Yeah. And Disney. Here we go. So you, do, you didn't like it. You th What's the hype? Is your concern? Yeah, yeah, like what's the hype? And like, why are we all drinking these? Because it mm -hmm. was just, and then I told my friend Maria about it and she was like, well, did you get all the pumps? You're not supposed to get all the pumps. And I oh. was like, hmm. well, I'm supposed to know that. But it was right. like, I don't know. It's like the sugary pumpkin stuff hadn't been fully absorbed. And it was just like so sweet and had like a bad aftertaste. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. Are you guys fans of this? I used to, I used to have them and then I had the same thought. It's like, this, this is really like a, it's just like a, they're, 
to try to disguise like a sugary crappy drink as like a sophisticated coffee drink and it's like mm-hmm. autumnal and you're just like yeah it's just like a cup of sugar with f- fake flavor fake flavor the the meme of the pumpkin spice latte has sort of overtaken the drink itself I yeah think, like the idea of it because we actually on one of our um patreon sub uh on one of our on one of our patreon, patreon episodes? shows yeah Somebody made a comment about the PSL season. They used the acronym and we were. We went on for about five minutes for what that meant. (laughs) Yeah, that happened to me. And I think you're right that the things become bigger than itself. It's like Mm -hmm. Skynet from Terminator where pumpkin spice latte is like AI that's become self-aware. And Mm -hmm. it may be the first AI. All of this may just be. It's going to take us out. Manifestation. Right. and, And they get you with something you like. And then they then they come for your children. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think I might try next season making my own because no. I think that I could do a better job. And when I perfect the recipe, I, I'll I'll let you guys have it to put on your Patreon and exclusive. You're gonna be the first one that AI comes after, honey. Yeah, do this that's true. <laughs> Whatever. Burning bridges left and right. Too. I'm never Starbucks, work Disney, again. artificial intelligence. <laughs> Yikes! Nice knowing you guys. I know. Oh my god. What well, have we I have to jump into? in. We have to jump in. Uh, Matt, you you are. I mean, would you, I would say you're a Halloween expert. You know, people call me sometimes a James Bond expert or this or that, but mm. maybe this is the one where I, I kind of am, and it's not out of any pride. It's it's based solely out of childhood trauma where I had to like, you have to know your enemy, you mm. know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So mm. tell them your origin story. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, uh, I was, I think five or six and we had early version of cable tv called select tv and my parents mm-hmm. were out for the night and we had this substitute babysitter named diane <laughs> and she turned out the lights and and i wouldn't i want to say made but my sister and she she they wanted to watch it and i was too young and so th- they basically made me watch Halloween mm. at that age. The lights were all out. So I didn't feel like I could go anywhere in the house to get away because I could still hear that amazing theme song and all the screams. Yes. And it's no like hyperbole to say it scarred me. And I, I had nightmares for the rest of, you know, certainly my like childhood, but also into adulthood. And it gave me a little PST, I think. <laughs> PTSD. <laughs> Pumpkin spice, PSL? Yeah, gave him PSL. Some, <laughs> pumpkin spice trauma. It did. I mean, it really did. It's it's pumpkin and it's spicy. Time. Yeah. And so I didn't revisit until I was an adult. And then I really dove in. And, you know, now I have a podcast with my friend Paul Rust where we cover horror movies and we've covered the Halloween franchise in, in great detail. But mm. as crazy as that franchise goes off the rails, this first movie to me is in a way, a perfect movie. It's kind of my origin story, and I adore it and loathe it. At the does same it still time. scare yeah. you in your adulthood, like when you saw it, it again as an adult? Yeah. Okay, it really does. And then I used to have a podcast called "I Was There Too," where I would talk to people who had small roles in significant films, and I had PJ Souls who plays Linda in Halloween on, and Amanda was out of town, and I had to watch that by myself the night before. And I was truly uncomfortable. Wow. And I, I just, and it's not rational. I was just, I just have these baked in, <laughs> yeah. like I said, like childhood trauma things about Michael Myers because he's so mysterious and so scary. They go on to give him a lot of backstory, but 
the less you know, the better. And that's what this movie's so good at. You know. Well, I'm jumping in not having seen any of the Halloween movies. This was my first time watching Halloween. And mm. I absolutely loved it. And I have a thing where I don't like old movies. Mm, yeah, that is a thing. That's I get thing. it. That is a strong I get shame. it. It's like anything before 2003 gives me the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> really, it gives me comfort. Anything before I was born makes me feel like I don't have to deal with this world's problems. Just take I, me away. It, for me, it's that I, it's not that I don't like them once I'm watching them. It's that it's very hard to get myself yes. to actually want to watch it. There's nothing appealing to me about it. She right. sees a landline telephone and just checks out. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that was a great... I don't want to deal yeah. with that. <laughs> but, but this movie is so scary. I can see why you were so afraid as a child, and it's terrifying, and it's so well done. And a first-time director, I mean, we're... J- congrats to all involved. I, I know. Yeah, and... and How do I... Let's see. What was I going to say? Uh, the thing that was so different about this movie and why it scared me so much is that there had been plenty of horror movies, Psycho, Exorcist, but this is the first one that ever came to the suburbs, you know, mm. the people. Ah. And so to me, I had a bedroom in the front of the house separate from the rest of the family, and I was just like, this is where the killer comes in. I've never right. been scared of supernatural things like the Exorcist and stuff, but a guy in a mask walking down a middle-class suburban neighborhood fit my demographics so well that I just yeah. thought this, this is going to happen to me. Right. You know? That's such a good point. Should we start off by putting the suburbs up on the board? Sure. <gasps> oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because I don't think that he could have gotten away with this these murders. And, and for the record, we're figuring out who's to blame for the murders that Michael Myers committed. committed. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Which... If you say that I understand again. that in that sentence. <laughs> well, that- <laughs> on paper, that seems silly, but yes. I think as we go into it, there, yeah, there's, there's more to it. Can, there's more to it. There might Always be a bigger force story. at play. Yeah. Yes. So the suburbs go right up on the board. I mean, it's a quiet, per like seemingly perfect town where no one has any fear. <laughs> Although mm. I know that there's the history of this. Uh, family that once you know there was a murder in this house and it's abandoned so there's like but but it's it's feels so far in the distance no one seems really worried about Mm -hmm. it and by the way the suburbs also created michael myers right because he grew up there Mm -hmm. Mm. it's like disney though right there's a veneer of perfection and the american dream that is just a breeding ground for repression and oppression and things like that. And I think that's probably in many ways how Michael Myers was born. You know? mm-hmm. Yes, those are such good mm-hmm. points. I also feel like we do need to put the the security staff at the hospital. I mean, come on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that yeah. has yeah. to go up. For me, that was number one. That and the psychiatrist. Dr. Uh, Loomis. Dr. Loomis, yes. Two different things. So... The security staff, by the time that the psychiatrist, uh, Dr. Loomis, and the nurse pull up to the sanatorium, they see that people are outside. (laughs) I know it's dark. I know. I think it might be raining. It's a creepy scene, just seeing people in white gowns, like, walking around. And she's like, why are they outside? They look like 
classic Halloween ghosts. Yeah. You know? Yes. And, and yeah, you didn't see many of them either. You only yeah. saw a couple. And oh, so yeah. it's just, oh, that's oh, even you're worse. Giving me chills. <laughs> <laughs> so they're pulling up. And right away, you're like, this is not, you, you, as, a, as, a, as an audience, you know this isn't right. This isn't normal. And the nurse keeps saying, hey, Dr. Loomis, like, I think, why shouldn't they, should they really be around outside? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, we go the to female like, no. voice of reason. <laughs> and Dr. Loomis is like, no, 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 just keep going, keep going. But he's, at the same time, he's talking about his fear of, of, uh, Michael Myers and mm -hmm. how he hasn't spoken in 15 years since the murder and how he is actually very scared. And, and I guess the point they're going to the sanatorium because they're going to transfer him to yeah. another, I don't know if it's another hospital, another location. Yeah. Um, and the, so I, I also feel like we have to put Dr. Loomis's machismo up on the mm. board. Mm. Yeah. He and really I think doesn't listen to her. No, and that's also evidenced by the fact that he's a doctor, but dresses like a noir detective and carries a gun. <laughs> Something else is going on here. That's true. Don't get me wrong. He's my favorite character that. in the movie, but <laughs> something's off. <laughs> Why? Yeah, she's in full uniform, and there's no lab coat in sight for him. No, and why does he have a gun? He's right. a doctor. <laughs> yeah, because... The circumstances are that extreme <clears throat> right. that a doctor, it's not that he's a crazy <clears throat> doctor, it's that the doctor is in a crazy situation. No, he's a crazy doctor. It's both. But and why are they Christmas. doing it in the middle of the, like, why are they doing it at That's night a during a rain? Like, wouldn't you do this during the day? Like, you'd have like your regular guard removing a high profile patient. Like, why yeah. is it just like a nurse and a doctor, like picking him up in a car? It just seems like really low are, budget is that the security. Case? Are they... Are they going to transfer him personally or are they just overseeing it? Also, we don't know the circumstances of the breakout, do we? It just, it's already no. happened. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we never find out. No. We never find out about the well, hospital security. And that's they never interesting question because it. it's not necessarily that Michael was even like the leader of the breakout. Mm -hmm. It could be that no. it was just circumstance that he even gets out. Uh, you know, around Halloween time. Like maybe we should just put Halloween time on the board because if he had escaped during Christmas time, maybe he wouldn't have been as triggered. Mm, that's that true. And that puts the larger question, something that we have to put on the board. Now I'm not necessarily advocating for this, but we have to discuss it because Loomis does so heavily. And that is, is Michael Myers, Myers the killer or is it evil? Evil well, embodying Michael Myers. And, mm. and, and this movie, I think presents that question but leaves it open-ended so it's going to be an interesting discussion i think that's a really good point a lot of stuff to cover here mm -hmm. so yeah. i i want to go back to what amanda said about the holiday halloween mm -hmm. and this is from halloween movie fandom <laughs> and deborah hill asserts that the idea was that you couldn't kill evil and that that was how we came about the story we went back to the old idea of Sawain, that Halloween was the night where all the souls are let out to wreak havoc on the living, and then came up with the story about the evilest kid who ever lived. So and on, is Halloween kind of like the purge? Oh, Feels like of, it. Of, of, of like, of, of the druids, basically, yeah. 
It feels like it. You got to let them exercise. It's kind of like walking the dog in the morning so they're tired for the rest of the day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's room springer for Amish people. Yes, exactly. Got, it's like, yeah. what is that? Like just sort of exercising, the doing the thing you um, mm. have the compulsion or I guess. It feels like, you know, you can't contain evil in like a little jar. You have to like, there's too much pressure. So every now and then you have to open the jar. Yeah, a little. Let a little pressure, pressure out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. and in Haddonfield, that's Michael Myers, whether it's killing his sister when he's a kid or Halloween 1978. Right, and is the jars the suburbs? Yes. So, like, mm. is Michael in all of us and the jars the suburbs? <laughs> yeah. Yes. I mean, you yes. had more confidence the first time. I you did. Said. I, 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 now, I didn't doubt I it until the second time. You said <laughs> <it>. <laughs> so let's, let's put the... Uh, Let's put physics up on the board. Physics. <laughs> yeah. Well, or just what is that? Uh, how do we want to term that idea? Is it the not just evil? evil? I think just evil, because that's really what it comes I, down to for Loomis, you know? I think so. I think in everything you read about Halloween, you can't you can't come across anything that doesn't specify like just how he embodies email evil email <laughs> <laughs> boy you really can't watch a movie that doesn't have yeah. modern technology <laughs> already in slip there huh oh my god genius that's gotta be the audio <laughs> um, e we're talking about evil not emails not email which yeah. can be evil yes. it can be um yeah, so so I think that that was the the point of the the storytellers, and I think that that is what Michael Myers goes on to embody. Really, um, I wonder if we can put his like being Michael being stuck in the past somehow. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and then what? If it isn't just plain evil, what spurred him to do that in the first place? And was that promiscuity and sexual lust? Yeah. Let's talk of about his it. sister having uh, ultimately 11 second sex with a man. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Yeah. I mean, teenagers, I get it, but still. There was, it seems to be quick. like sexual repression, right? That that feels like mm. a, a theme and... Um, I don't know if it's okay. So what about this? Mm -hmm. I I feel like there's something where Michael got upset that his sister wasn't paying attention to him. So jealousy. And I don't know if it's jealousy. It's just like you're not doing your job because later, and mm -hmm. I, and there's some stuff about this on the internet. There's some uh, theories about that. He, he really targets all of his victims and all of them are not doing what they should be doing. Like Annie isn't, is, is totally not watching the, the little girl that she's babysitting. Mm -hmm. She's more concerned about hooking up with her boyfriend. And, uh, and then Linda is, I don't know, having, I mean, can we talk about the Slinda scenario? Oh, sure. How she just shows up at someone else's house uh -huh. and there's no one there. And she's like, let's go upstairs to the bedroom and yeah. have sex mm -hmm. right. yeah. mm -hmm. in a house that she, I don't know if she yeah, even knows the people who live there. House. It was, it's, it's a, it, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. It, well, it's the house that Annie's 
babysitting at, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Yeah, I think they know the families, but you're right. It is a pure bed invasion. Right. <laughs> I'm babysitting. Everyone come over here and have sex tonight is basically right. what. Right. Yeah. Maybe it's that's a seventies things like seventies thing where people were all having sex in each other's bed. I think so. I <laughs> and think then so smoking much. like in the bed afterward, like yeah, you... <laughs> and again a, like eleven second sex. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. when Annie's killed, you're right though. I mean, remember he stages this like crime scene tableau where he's pulled Judith Myers' headstone and put it above mm-hmm. Annie's corpse in the bed. So there does feel like a connection there, and I think. There's all this stuff about you can make the case there's like a human level of him punishing Judith for either promiscuity or neglect. And then the other side of that is the evil thing. So it's really like, is Michael on a human track or like a supernatural ev- mm-hmm. evil track? And that's what's so brilliant about the ending. I don't know if we're going to talk about that, but at some yeah. point it it's so unclear at that end whether a man was shot and fell down and was still able to get up and walk right. away just enough to be out of frame. Like he could die. He still could be a man. Yeah. Or is he powered by evil and got away to kill again? And then those final shots of the film, which show you scenes uh, like sets from the movie and they're empty and you just know he's out there and he's only credited in the, in the credits as the shape, not Michael Myers. So wow. this thing in all caps called the shape is just out there somewhere and it's nothing solved you gotta lock your doors you're living in the suburbs you're still not safe and mm. it's still so harrowing matt is so oh. scared like do you have like, like <laughs> is your hair setting up because you just the way you're talking <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you seem like you're really scared <laughs> but it's so true that what's scarier than no what's scarier than knowing someone something or some evil is out there lurking, lurking. just around the corner just waiting for you to be a bad babysitter mm-hmm. one time yeah. yeah and what's scarier than not knowing if it's human or evil there's just the question it could it's still true. just be a man but you still don't know that's why the movie's so brilliant and like the sequels can never be as good because each of them sort of like looks at Schrodinger's cat and sees whether it's alive or dead and answers whether he's human or evil and neither are satisfying. Right. But right. where this movie ends is so satisfying. You know, he seems to be pretty really resilient is. for if he is just a human man to be like stabbed with a hanger, stabbed with a knife shot, yeah. falling off a roof and be able to walk away. Like he's got some superhuman strength. I know. And yeah. it's like worth discussing whether we, include the rest of the movies in this lore because the if you just end it here you don't know if he's okay but if you go on to halloween 2 it picks up that second right on that same night oh really and immediately continues on but then if you've watched the the last three movies they did that wipes away part all the sequels completely and just falls on the trail of episode one but whatever 40 years later or 30 years later when he's in his 60s Mm. so the latest ones don't really acknowledge the 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 sequels that were done shortly after this no but they also are the only ones that sort of take the the road that michael myers is just a man okay and in part two you start to get a little bit into like the more sawane and supernatural thing and also it's revealed that Lori and Michael are brother and sister and that by John Carpenter who didn't direct it but wrote it 
said was a huge mistake and that he freely admits did it on the heels of the reveal that Darth Vader was Luke's father that they mm. felt like they needed some kind oh, of like wow. in movie gasp moment. Put George that, put George Lucas up on the board. <laughs> Seriously. <Okay. laughs> There's room. Always. Um that's wild. It is yeah that that's so um Yes, so so crazy. Um, For the purpose of this Potter, should we should we make believe that the part two slash one thousand never happened? Yeah, and maybe just, just just this movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we gotta just look at this movie. Okay. I think so because I think even at this point there, I think have been no joke four or five forks in the timeline of this franchise. So it's really fine if you just take the first movie as its own and the rest are just kind of like bonus journeys, you know? Right. Choose, choose, your, own choose your own adventure. Yeah. <laughs> <in multiverse. laughs> and then you have the Rob zombie versions, which are truly detestable, <laughs> like time you'll never get back. Of oh just man. So and, do these and... turn into comedies is what you're saying? Yeah. Uh, Sounds like it. The, the, yeah, the, the resurrection one with Tyra Banks, I, I think does. And then there's like the, the scream influenced versions with Michelle Williams and Josh mm. Hartnett when um, Jamie Lee Curtis returns. And that's Halloween H2O, which I understand is a weird subtitle. It stands for a Halloween 20 years later, but just means water for some water, reason. Yeah. But that one's pretty fun. And it's got that very distinct 90s feel. So there's a mm. little something for everyone in these movies. And then part three famously has nothing to do with Michael Myers. It was when they thought we're going to just do an start an anthology series almost like Twilight Zone or Black Mirror that is, you know, like stylistically linked but literally has nothing to do with Michael Myers other than in the background there's a TV commercial of the original Halloween on. And, it's and if you want to hear more and even more, go to Matt's Patreon. Which is <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's just, just tell him the name of your Patreon that you have about this show. And let's get, we got to get back to the board. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's called with Gorley and Rustin. It's a free podcast, but you can get bonus episodes. I wasn't buzz marketing. I'm just like, I'm just dealing with getting trauma out. That's what this is it's like. Yeah. Therapy he's terrible. He doesn't know what he's doing. We're here for that. I know. I you normally, I him on. Yeah. That's right. We, knew what no, we were we getting need, we need to channel <laughs> we need to channel the expertise back to the the og well, here situation let's, let's go back to Lori and this idea that she wasn't doing her job as a babysitter right because he spots her it's odd because the moment he spots her she's saying goodbye to uh the little boy that she's going to babysit later on that day and she's mm-hmm. like i'm gonna get you a uh we're gonna do some pumpkin pumpkin carving right um and it seems like she is a good babysitter. She is. Yeah, she definitely is. And but this kind moment... of flies in the face of the, like, you're immoral, you get killed. Right. You know, all she does is smoke a joint in this movie. Otherwise, right. she's a great... Yeah, you know. and, and she just has friends who want to hook up while they babysit. She yeah. Maybe it's like the right. company you keep. I don't know. <laughs> I, well, I think it's more Michael sees her come up to his house when he's in Oh, there right. And fixates on her right um as a stand-in for judith and same with the other girls but Mm. there is something slightly random about it and that's another thing that's so scary is you don't fully understand michael's motivations and you know you sometimes see that in a poorly made movie this i think is left slightly ambiguous on purpose and it just adds to the mystery you know yeah is there something to chasing his because you you said the judith likeness right like he's sort of chasing that original 
uh, high he got from the experience mm. of killing Judith or something like that. Is there some kind of version of that we can put up on the board? It's I like, like that. Yeah, and I think it boils down to almost a sexual thing itself. Like maybe mm-hmm. there's a, a bit of a, you know, some sort of sexual repression formed in him that was maybe either incestual or at least at least like fixated and imprinted on that age of a yes. woman. You know, and a could teenager. it kind of be in- internalized misogyny too? Because it's like this sort of like my sister won't behave that way, and mm. now I kind of hate all women of that age. Because they're sure. they're bad and they're naughty and yes, I like love he's that. Being protective oh, of wow, his older yeah. sister because maybe he didn't have like that's how he was sort of what he saw in his environment. Yes, right. and sometimes I wonder- he's so protective that the only way to protect her is to kill her, <laughs> kill her. yeah <laughs> mm. i i we have to, to put this up on the board his, his i like internalized misogyny i i also feel like it could be like his his hatred of babysitters um mm. like in an internalized hatred of babysitters <laughs> yeah our I, daughter had that for a while <laughs> you should see they, where is she right now bodies she's piled up it's it's sad yeah yeah i so i get that i could call it separation anxiety yeah <laughs> like where's my mommy and daddy <laughs> i like the babysitter thing because he's neglected by his sister mm-hmm. and and I think he does attack. He sees these three babysitters. This movie was originally going to be called The Babysitter Murders. So mm. there, there is some kind of, I think, evidence for that. I, I love that. I was going to read this excerpt from a Vulture article. I dreamed of Halloween on an airplane, he told the New York Times in 1981. This is the uh, producer, not, oh, not, yeah. not John Carpenter. Erwin Yoblins. Yes, Erwin Yoblins. I was coming back from a film festival in Milan and I was looking for an idea that wouldn't cost money because I didn't have any money. I couldn't afford to buy a book or a play and it happened to be Halloween night. He worked out the idea of a madman stalking and killing babysitters. Everyone either has been a babysitter or has had a babysitter, he figured. So the story was relatable. When his plane landed, he hurried to a phone and pitched the babysitter murders to John Carpenter. So yeah. that was kind of the the origin of the idea. Uh, a babysitter is a stand-in for when your parents have left you alone. So yeah. there's sort of like, there's something there in terms of isolation Ooh. and being estranged, like fear of abandonment. Yeah. Um, and also to getting to like the thing where you're supposed to be safe in the suburbs. There's nothing, you know, at least in the classical sense, more harrowing of a a man a a mindless killing man Mm. um tracking a defenseless child and ostensibly defenseless you know young woman babysitter the damsel basically Mm -hmm. in this case it the thing that's uh, like so great about this movie is that the damsel succeeds Mm -hmm. but the whole time you you don't think that's going to happen and it scares you to death so yeah yeah i have an idea of something to put on the board okay masks Ooh. yeah yes. they're creepy yeah <laughs> and william shatner in general do, do you guys know about this no that mask is a star trek william shatner mask that was painted and stretched no so maybe <sighs> william shatner's to blame 100 oh percent is it going on the up board, on the board. <laughs> <laughs> okay. but is there a, is there a um sim- symbolism that you want to talk about amanda with yeah. masks well or I just think the hiding behind it of it i think that 
anonymity mm, yeah. um, mm-hmm. of having a mask. I think you could say Michael Myers, we're talking about is he human, is he evil? I think maybe he's human, but when he dons the mask, he gets superpowers mm-hmm. because and he it- becomes this sort of faceless like manifestation of evil because you can't see his human face, right. which would and- bring him back down to earth. Right. Totally. There's something also you mixing really that with nice the suburb, smile. you know, the the yeah. idea of suburbs and how around the suburbs people walk around with, you know, the masks, uh, you know, not actual masks, but uh, yeah. metaphorical masks. Yeah, that of, everything's mm. perfect and well, delightful. Uh, yes, I was going to say like a fault, like the suburbs give you that false sense of of security, right? Like, I feel like mm-hmm. there's room for that where you just seem like nothing bad happens here. And like, another thing that was very noticeable to me in the movie is that like, there were adults, but like, there was not really a lot of adults. No, you know, no, it's like the they parents were, are gone. they're all gone. It's all just what? people who are not really like the younger stand-ins for the adults. So it feels mm-hmm. like there's a real lack of supervision and where yeah. the adults are is like where not the action is happening. Interesting. I think the adults are all at like Halloween parties. They are. Right. Which did you ever, <laughs> when you were growing up, that never happened. Never. You're never mm-hmm. given a babysitter on Halloween. Never. Your parents were with you. So, yeah, these are some pretty shitty parents. <laughs> but, but that's not true. They're just living their own lives. And this is a conceit of a lot of classic Halloween movies. You know, Hocus Pocus comes to mind. It's like the parents want to go out and party. And this right. is back in the day, you know, when people were having kids in their 20s, you know. Right. Or 20s. I know. But can so, you imagine right now? All I want to do is be with my daughter on Halloween. I know. These but we're, shitty we're old. We're old. <laughs> we're not like 30. Okay. Yeah. Think, yeah. But I think to Matt's point, too, it's 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 a different generation of parents now. Uh-huh. I think yeah, the, there's, for sure. There, there's way more of a it, there's more of a, a, an idea of spending more time with your kids than it was back. then. I do remember my mom being like, uh, go just leave me alone and I'll come back at six o'clock for dinner. Like, I don't care what you <laughs> do Next or Thursday. where you right. go. <laughs> and in she, Halloween and too, the, they, uh, it takes place in a hospital and they bring the first like emergency case in and the doctor's not there. And then he comes in, he's like, sorry, I was at a party. And he's, he was at the same party that Michael Myers or <laughs> the, the parents of all the babysat kids were in this first movie. So the whole town's going to this party. I just also have to say no one has parties anymore. And if they do, they're not fun. And so (laughs) I would gladly leave on Halloween night if one of you guys wanted to host a A Halloween party. party. Clayton Clayton throws great parties, Amanda. Get yourself on his guest list. I don't want to be responsible for all of your children getting murdered while you're at my house. (laughs) I know. But truly, it's probably the only way to survive is to be at that party. True. Yeah. So bring your kids. Everyone's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of adults, this was a listener suggestion. Uh, this was G. Kell, and uh, they suggested that we put up Michael's parents up on the board. Yeah. Uh, they said it has to stem all the way back to Michael's parents or teachers, someone who has to take notice when a child seems depressed, lonely, isolated, or when they do strange things. Like, I'm sure he murdered a squirrel or two before right. his first human. <laughs> right. I love that. I love that. And I think also to that point, we have to put the psychiatric facility that he was in. Smith's Grove? Yeah. Yes. Smith's yes. Grove. Because they obviously did not succeed in rehabilitating him if that was even a goal. Because yes. back then, who knows what they were doing? And I think that's Samuel Loomis. Yes. For sure. He was his doctor. And he, 
it's not for lack of trying. He was obsessed with Michael. Yeah. But maybe he was just getting a little too close to his patient. Maybe Michael was only just a one-time murderer, and then he got this psychologist who was just like, whoa, I ain't talking to this, this guy's crazy <laughs> than me. Yes. Why didn't they change it up? He's I know. obviously right. <laughs> new Loomis doctor. Might be a, Loomis might be a quack. <laughs> well, they're like kind of, I think they need each other, like Sherlock Holmes and Moriarty, mm. basically. Like they, they're two sides of the same coin in a way. And mm. and Loomis factors heavily throughout the franchise, probably because Donald Pleasance was the only actor going, Yeah, I'll come back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, we. I feel like we have a pretty good board. Yes. I have two things I want to add before okay, we go. Okay, throw them up. Let's do it. The, throw them up. Classism. Classism. Okay. This guy's in overalls. Okay. What is it? We, do we hate workers? Do we hate the working oh, class? Oh, interesting. Okay. 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 Second, I wonder if they second, thought about that. Second of all. Um, yeah. I just wanted to bring up this Michael Myers flair for the dramatic. Because yes, yeah. there are a couple moments in the movie where I was like, he, I mean, just hiding in the laundry, covering himself with the sheet and, and then also setting up that bedroom that was such a, there was such a, um, oh yeah, a, with the sort tombstone? of a production director touch mm -hmm. to that. He had the tombstone at the head of the bed. He had Bob come down, sort of roll down from that mm -hmm. closet position that he was in. Um, so I think Michael did have like, a flair for the theatrical. He just had a kind of artist in him. And um, he didn't have an outlet. He didn't have I a healthy agree. outlet. Interesting. And, and on piggybacking on what Chris <clears throat> just said, I think there is something where like Michael Myers is kind of indulging in his own trauma in a way where like it's almost like a narcissism and i think sometimes people today really do this with like social media and everything it's like people are kind of obsessed with their own backstories and like working through the trauma and sometimes it's like with well, just what you need is just like a job oh look like, i'm not a like killer i'm not a killer what what is this but it's just like <laughs> oh i get it now i get what this was about i wonder why you wanted me on this <laughs> but i'm just like go yeah, like this is an stack bricks or something for eight <laughs> hours and then you're not going to be as obsessed with your child. I think trauma. this is spot on, Chris, because so so many current day horror movies are built on someone's trauma of the past and it coming back to get them. Also, the fact I talk about this a lot with Paul, that his like sense of theatrical tableau and scenic design is such a huge part of this movie that was totally wiped away in later installments of the franchise, but then brought back in the newer trilogy. So mm. yeah, he he hangs Linda upside down and she appears almost like a trapeze artist. Yeah. He puts on a costume and pretends to be Bob. So he's got a weird kind of playfulness. And I think that is his neglect from his parents and his babysitters and his sisters. Yeah. And cry for attention either through like performance art or <gasps> murder, which could be argued are the same thing, honestly. <laughs> is is cry for attention? Is that inherently evil? Maybe mm. that's the central question. Well, oh, I think oh, yeah. his narcissism go is your, goes yeah. hand in He's hand. He's got with that, that boomer narcissism, that's for sure. Mm. Okay. Yeah, he was born in what year? Uh, uh, sixty. Well, he killed in sixty three. How old was he? I think he was six. Eight or, eight or nine. Oh, he was six. Okay, six. okay. so he was fifty seven. There's no way to He's know for sure. Fifty seven. He's a boomer. He's a like, boomer narcissism. We're putting up on the board. Quintessential <laughs> boomer. Is this he is a like boomer? he is. I yeah. think this is the id of the boomer 
expressed and writ oh, wow. large. Oh my through, goodness! Oh my god! Know. Now I'm and scared. When you look at his his Halloween costume, it's just that typical '50s clown <gasps> as a kid, and then yeah, and then he's like a boomer who hasn't achieved like yuppie status because he has to wear tow truck coveralls and you know and he resents the suburbs because he's just a working class killer. Mm-hmm. I'm spitballing. <laughs> he's not a yeah, white collar just, killer. Keep going. Yeah, he's a, a working white class killer. killer. Right. If only he hadn't gone to a plumber to get a, the car, he would just killed like a doctor. Then he would have been a high class killer. They'd be a whole different franchise. <laughs> I know. He wore, if he wore a lab spot. <laughs> yeah. If only Dr. Mask. Loomis could wear one. <laughs> yeah. And he doesn't even. <laughs> Okay, I I love this board. Let's take a quick break and then we'll start knocking things off. Okay. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all have stress and anxiety we carry around as we go about our everyday life. At The Alarmist, we know it's always better to say it out loud and talk it through. Whenever I stress about the sinking of the Titanic, I don't sit with those thoughts in a dark room. I turn on the lights and dive right into it. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and work through what's really going on. Maybe you can't stop spiraling or catastrophizing. I started therapy over 10 years ago and never looked back. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Heck, we sometimes change our minds and rethink the verdict at The Alarmist. And that's also okay when it comes to therapists. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Alarmist today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot Alarmist. Who's to blame for the events that transpired in the movie Halloween? The suburbs, security staff at the hospital, Psychiatrist Dr. Sam Loomis, Dr. Loomis's machismo, Halloween time, evil incarnate, physics, just evil, Michael being stuck in the past, George Lucas, chasing the first kill, sexual repression, internalized misogyny, Michael's hatred of babysitters, masks, William Shatner, (laughs) adults missing in action, 
Michael's Parents, Smith's Grove, Classism, Michael Myers' Flair for Dramatic, Boomer Narcissism, Overindulgent in Your Trauma, or Cry for Attention. This wow. may be the largest board we've ever had. <laughs> Massive. I, can I? Wow. I do think we have to decide first because it'll wipe away half either way. Is Michael doing this with human motivations or is he himself evil or at least like piloted by evil? And that's what's so crazy about this movie is right. there's no way to, it's almost like we have to have we have to do two versions, you know, because mm. the the movie's so open ended and it depends on which ending you subscribe to, that would have a different vic or blame, I think. But like, I, I feel like that is the, the what we grapple as humans. Yeah. Right? Whether bad people are evil or whether they're just like us <laughs> like right. murderers, anyone, they're just and like anyone us. Could end up like Michael. Right. Mm -hmm. Like if we had been neglected, would we end up like that? I mean, I, in real life, I I find it's tough to blame evil on people's motivations because it seems like a, too much of a skate for them. Right. But in a movie like this, that you know, is so brilliant on asking you to at least question whether evil itself exists. Mm -hmm. It's hard I, to know. I have a, an idea. Yeah. I think maybe we could wrap up you know um a lot of this stuff like his hatred of babysitters adults missing in action michael's parents i feel like all that stuff could be wrapped up into being overindulgent in your trauma Ooh. okay wow because it kind of that encapsulates everything but it also puts the ownership on michael and not like we're blaming his parents yeah. for his killing spree okay interesting he definitely didn't deal with his trauma no. What are the resources there for to allow for him to deal with his trauma? I think right. yes, right? He was in a lo a place where, him, where but, with psychiatrists and But then your psychiatrist is Samuel Loomis. What, well, that's... what kind of care are you getting? <laughs> well, I also think a lot of that stuff could be wrapped up into the suburbs. So we could like put all that's true. his parents and classism like that could all be like absorbed into the suburbs. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I like. I I think we should definitely put classism in the suburbs. Parents, uh, yeah. And what else Hold did that you? In. There was something else you said before, yeah. Amanda, parents, pointing to overindulging adults, in trauma. Yeah, I think adults missing in action and parents. Like, how would you what sexual umbrella repression. would you put that under? Like uh, suburban, the suburban myth of the American Ooh. dream, or something like that. I wow. love that. Yeah. So we Let's can make that the suburbs. The suburban myth of the American dream. Well, that yeah. that will be the suburbs will represent that, right? Yeah. yeah. Or yeah. I think we can just call it the suburban myth. That to yeah. me is right. That's great. And I think also, um, like Halloween time could be wrapped up into that too. I think that's part of it. Can go that could go in there, but it, that's also part of evil. You know, if you're, yeah. if you're taking it into like Halloween is the time when mm -hmm. the gates of evil are opened. Mm -hmm. Like you said, he wouldn't probably do this at Christmas. Who knows? Evil. So I feel like just evil and physics, that, that folds into evil incarnate. Yeah. <laughs> physics. <laughs> <laughs> I think George Definitely Lucas does come off the board. <laughs> George Lucas can come yeah, off. We I'm so curious him. to hear all our individual opinions on the end of that movie, whether you think it was evil or a man. You know? I think it's way more interesting if he's a man. Mm -hmm. I think so too. I think, and I, I think he is a man. I agree. I find that more interesting too, and and way more scary. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That someone could be that evil. That they could just like be so. 
I mean, that to me is, I think what's scary about that is because I don't know, I think it does exist. Like we, we have seen yeah. that kind of level of evil all, all the Absolutely. time, but we like to believe it's not, it's to your point, Matt, like it's easier to blame it on something that's like out of control or untouchable because then we can like almost kind of like not accept its reality. Yeah. You could process that a man could do that. Yeah. You know mm -hmm. a man can. Yeah. Because he doesn't have any supernatural powers. He just kills with a knife. And he, I mean, I, I guess you could say a supernatural power is his lack of empathy uh, or that towards he his victims. The six gunshots or six mm. or five and then a fall from a balcony. But that's still theoretically possible because like, right. like I said, he could wander off frame. He's out of their vision, but he could be in a bush dying for all we know. And he's right. It's also like kind of. You know, you hear about the stories of people who have like superhuman strength and moments of whatever. It's like you kind of yeah. apply that to Michael Myers as like someone who's so motivated by his rage or his trauma that he is right. like the, his superhuman power is that he will can take a hit and yeah. it's mm -hmm. he's human. He has to deal with it. But like he's so motivated that he will like recover and like keep going after whatever his mission is which is well chris and amanda where do you guys come down on evil or man i agree that he's a man but like clay was just saying he's he's driven by by evil and hatred and that gives him some sort of supernatural qualities mm -hmm. yeah. Mm. yeah i would I, I would i would agree with that too that's interesting yeah we all are on the same page with that and yeah and it's like none the, of us the movie ends where you're supposed to go and kind of have that discussion but it's really that feeling it leaves you with that you're almost not supposed to go beyond because you simply can't go beyond. Mm -hmm. You can't. Right. It doesn't right. give you enough to answer the question, and and then you still have to go home to your suburbs. You know, it's well. Oh. The sh yeah, Ooh. the shape of evil is 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 always there and always available um, to to any person, right? If it's it's like we we don't like to believe that, but I do think that that's true, and I think that anybody like you guys are saying with this sort of cocktail of trauma and um narcissism whatever you want to do whatever you want to call it um are capable of that that's the scariest thing mm -hmm. yeah. I, yeah we're all mike myers <laughs> <laughs> so i'm a little bit more samuel loomis okay not better. <laughs> we need you though so thank god <laughs> i'm clearly the nurse uh, <laughs> yes <am> you are <laughs> i'm johnny doyle around? I'm, I'm little johnny doyle who's one yeah. <laughs> I'm one of the teens. I'm the one that says totally. Uh, you're Annie? Yeah, with the pigtails. Oh, and totally. I'm the parents. No, no, you're Linda. No, you're Linda. Yeah. I'm Linda. Linda says totally. Yeah. And I'm throwing the Halloween party that, yeah, you know, everyone's at. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's just partying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We got to get yeah, back, let's get okay. back to this. I, okay. I mean, some of the stuff like the security staff and Dr. Loomis's machismo can all be wrapped into Dr. Loomis, I think. Agree. Right? Yes, agree. Mm -hmm. I also think masks and, and anonymity go can fold into the suburbs, perhaps. Although, it, you know, metaphorical. I mean, that could also have been folded into Halloween time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. yeah. Board. William and Shatner Smith, should Smith come Grove, off, right? Smith's Grove <laughs> can fold into Dr. Loomis. Agree. Is it too much to say that all of human Michael Myers issues where it seems like we seem to be heading are just straight up mental illness regardless of whether they were given to him in in nurture versus nature we will never know mm. but he clearly has a mental illness of of rage of some kind mm -hmm. and, right and what's so crazy is about i agree that this is like 
probably a human that did this, but I think the movie still feels like there's an element of evil and not in reality, but in this movie's world where I feel like it's a little more fun to believe there's, it's like evil working hand in hand with the perfect human vessel, vessel the perfect human mm. story. Oh. Well, that's Marriage. what, I mean, I just looked up what incarnate means and that's exactly what it means. And it means embodied in flesh. Mm -hmm. So when you say e evil incarnate, oh, kind I of like, like that. that's that's what Lumas says. That's what yeah. he is. I mean, wow. we're kind of all flip-flopping on what we were just talking about, but <laughs> that being no. said, I mean, because we were all saying he's a human, he's a human, but now, but I do think there was whether or not it was caused by trauma and whether or not the evil came from inside of him. Mm, he right. was like what Matt was saying, the perfect vessel. So I kind of think that's cool. Yeah, I do too. And maybe we could do like one of both, like evil incarnate goes to jail and then something else gets the big slap. Oh, I know, like something that. Something more human yeah. gets the big slap. Because there were mm. other trick-or-treaters out that evening that were not yeah, they were fine. doing this. Yeah, and they were was... having fun. The dark eyes. <laughs> you know what I, I'm struck with is that Even. it is it's something like it's our our job to make sure that we don't create a vessel that evil can then penetrate. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it does Jesus. still go back to the human. What? We're dropping insights on this podcast. Like oh, yeah. I'm, I'm a little overwhelmed. Oh. Like I need to write this stuff down. What'd you say? We need to prevent a vessel from which evil can I, we it, prevent it ourselves. We have to do our own work. Yes, yeah. That, we, I know. that is our job is when you have a kid that is on the forefront of your mind. It's true. <laughs> It's true. How do not I not raise someone that will go to a capital riot? <laughs> well, just some, something that some, someone else or something evil can take advantage of. Well, yeah. that's right? the whole point of the evil, though, is that there's, there's not always choice involved. Like sometimes you mm. just become the vessel. Right. So if, you, if you're in the world of the exorcist, innocence can be in, embodied by evil. But exactly. I, I think that there's enough evidence here that, like we were saying, Michael Myers was the most open vessel for evil to right. fly into. He was there's, again, there's okay. other trick or cheaters around. He's probably already dealing like for, for instance, once evil entered Michael Myers, he was outside. He could have gone and killed other people, but he right. went and he looked in his window and he went and he killed his sister. So mm -hmm. he's got an agenda already, whether it's neglect or cry for attention or, you know, repression and rage that he was mm. the perfect storm and the perfect vessel. Which yes. I, I guess some people might. I think it's too easy to just blame the parents. Sure. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. I love Amanda's idea of, of evil incarnate is to blame, but the big slap is. How did you put it? Human. I, I don't know. Something more human. Like maybe we could do the big slap for. Cry for um, attention. Cry for attention, <laughs> or it could be the suburban myth kind of encapsulates Ooh, a lot like of his that. repression. I don't well, know. Yeah. I love the suburban myth, and I like the suburbs as sort of this, when we talk about a vessel from which evil can exist, mm. like, wouldn't you think that the suburbs is like the perfect... Because everyone, like you said, Amanda, is wearing a mask. Mm -hmm. have, have, people are going about their day, but who are they really? Mm. There, there are, I think... Um, ways in which you can hide in the suburbs. Yeah. There, and there are modes of behavior that you can hide around that are sort of baked in. Yeah. So I, I, I do love think this. the suburbs are a breeding ground. I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I'm, I'm just wondering if we can give the backhand to uh, Dr. Loomis, though. Wow. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, By the well, way, I think he needs to be slapped for sure. Okay. Right? Because I, I just feel like he was the one... 
given the task of right. helping rehabilitate Michael Myers. Mm. Yeah. And he had a but lot of time to do it. And and he, look, I know he like saves the day, but I don't think that that's that takes away from the fact that he 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 could have his done more. Yeah. And yeah. he also just and botched I, that transfer. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that was but, but if this is evil incarnate, what could he have done? We the problem is we True. never saw his treatment. In a, and I'm with you on right, this, Rebecca. Right. He's yeah. obviously unstable for a psychologist. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the fact, remember when Lonnie, the boy from the neighborhood, comes over and he, what does he yell to him over the hedge? Like, he oh, kind right. of like scares him. I mean, he, that's the thing is he's doing that to save that boy, but his uh -huh. methods seem very outdated and Erratic. possibly counterproductive. Yes. Yeah. He, he is one of the only people I think that really recognizes how evil Michael is. Yeah. It's true. So, so in that case, that's why he's got the gun. And that's why, because he knows something that this is not just a murderer. This is yeah. something, this is something more. That's true. Yeah. And just to be clear, you know, we never did put Michael Myers up on the board, <laughs> but I know we all Oh my know God, we there. didn't. Yeah. We had no, a lot of Michael I, I, stuff. I feel like evil incarnate <laughs> Is, is him Michael, Michael Myers? Yeah, right. I agree. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. I think we should call it. I think this is a great. Okay. This is a good, good solution here. Okay. The suburban myth. You're getting the big slap. Psychiatrist Dr. Sam Loomis. Watch out. Here comes the backhand. Evil incarnate. You're going to the alarmist jail. Wow, I I don't think we've ever put evil in the alarmist jail. Well, in Halloween Five, Michael Myers actually does get put in jail. <gasps> so this is really wow insightful. He's then uh, broken out by a man in a black trench coat and cowboy hat and cowboy boots with no spurs, but still, when he walks, makes a spur sound <laughs> and gets uh, machine guns down all the cops and and breaks him out at the end of the movie, to which the producers have said, we had no idea what that was. We just knew we needed to set up a sequel. And if you're interested in more of these Easter eggs, go to, <laughs> <laughs> to matt.halloween.com. I, I just don't know what else to do. But, well, what you said, Rebecca, I do want to say. We, we we did put evil in the board, but don't let's not forget it's evil incarnate. Evil mm -hmm. incarnate. Human a human being Correct. seizing upon the evil, or yeah. maybe the other way around, but the two coming together mm. is yeah. is what and that is what I mean we can all in our daily life try and prevent. Shoo away the selves. evil around you. Shoo it away. Yeah. And keep an eye out for those <laughs> who might be a vessel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and carry a gun. Yeah. Most likely to be a vessel. This Halloween, everyone get a gun. <laughs> no! <laughs> that is not what we do at the Alarmist. <laughs> uh, Matt, Amanda, thank you so much for uh, being our very special guests today. We couldn't have figured out Halloween without you. My pleasure. I'm this really freaked. Really fun. <laughs> <laughs> and go listen to Keys to the Kingdom. Yeah. Wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> and we have episode six is about Halloween at theme parks. And it features a recording of Amanda and I going into the Michael Myers haunted house at Universal. Whoa. Oh, my God. Wow. So, what boy, a crossover. A, what a crossover. Yeah. <laughs> In the aftermath. As if the tragedies that befell Haddonfield that night weren't enough, 
Halloween 2 picks up right where the original ended. Michael isn't even close to being dead, and he has his sights set on Lori again, who is in desperate need of medical attention. I bet this time he'll probably kill her. Or will he? The Alarmist is now on Patreon. Subscribe and get ad-free content along with bonus episodes. Go to patreon.com slash thealarmist or check out the link in our show description. Visit our website, www.thealarmistpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram, at thealarmistpodcast and on Twitter, at alarmistthe. You can also send us your thoughts via email to thealarmistpodcast at gmail.com. Today's episode was produced and engineered by Clayton Early with editing by Molly Hockey and fact-checking by Chris Smith. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Thank you to our associate producer and researcher, Crystal Dinsberg. The Alarmist is executive produced by Rebecca Delgado-Smith. Tune in next week. We'll be discussing the downfall of WeWork. The Alarmist. Powered by ACAST.